podcast one production. Hello, my name's Gary Megan, and this is A Plate to Call Home, conversations with fascinating people, all centred around food. This is part two of my chat with George Columbaris, and if you haven't heard the first part, I'd encourage you to go back and listen. And in this half, we definitely go a little bit deeper and discuss some of the challenges a lot of people in the public eye and in the cooking industry who are in the public eye face. And George is no exception to that. It's not always easy, and support when you're at the top can actually be hard to find, and I definitely wanted to hear George's perspective on this. Here's part two of my conversation with George Columbaris. I mean, what are the things that, that you learnt that you still hang on to? I learnt um, that uh, repetition and process was the key to um, to becoming a good chef. And why is that? Because because <clears throat> it's it's you know you know it's it's like it's like anything in life. You know, you read uh, you read um, Pete Sampras's book. He hit that forehand. 450 million times at the same spot, the same mm. thing, and just slight adjustments to make the shot better. And it's the same with cooking. You know, we're still the, the we're still filleting the fish the same way, but there's a proper way and there's a wrong way. Mm. Um, and if you've done, you can't just do it once. You've got to do it hundreds and millions of times. And you know, it's there's the, you, you, there's no other way. You can't. There's no other way around it. You mm. can't. You can't fluke it. Um, it's just not possible. The only thing you can fluke is creativity. You can fluke that, mm. but you can't fluke, you know, and that's something I, I hold very close to my heart that I've, I, you know, I, I took the time to learn every basic, fun, well, most basic fundamentals and they are with me for life. So from there, then you can explore your creativity. Exactly. Next, yeah. and you worked with Ray and I, and yeah. then you went on as a really young chef to reserve. Yeah. Um, and that was your, you would have been in charge of the whole, menu setting yeah. the tone of the yeah, restaurant ridiculous. how old Absolutely were you then really ridiculous i was 22 mm. ridiculous <laughs> what was i thinking um but all i did there was be creative nothing else I had mm. no idea about business about how to run it who gave you that privilege by the way well the, at, the, at, at, at that time a guy called andrew o'brien who owned mm. the entire precinct there and Obviously, he, he's, he heard something, and and yeah, and his brief to me was very simple. I want I want you to create the best restaurant uh, in Australia, and I'm like, whoa, how do I do that? I even had no idea about the the Good Food Guide back then, which was you know it was a it was the premier mm. guide, um, and I never forget um, him running up the stairs going, "We've got an invite to the Good Food Guide," and I'm, what's that? Because that's where they'll give out hats and this and that. And I'll never forget rocking up there again and we're sitting in the audience. What is going on here? And, and then you start looking around and there's your peers are there, you know. Um, and at the time, you know, Donovan Cook, um, you know, Paul Wilson, Michael Lambie, blah, blah. And you're just like, whoa. Um, and then, you know, then we won Best New Restaurant. You know, I won Young Chef of the Year. We got two chef's hats. And that's when it just sort of all clicked went, oh, shit, it's mm. game on. Um, and People have taken notice. Basically. Yeah, and, but, and if anything now, well, not now, but in probably in between there and now, so in the middle bit, it was probably the hardest because suddenly you get, you get given that, that sort of privilege 
and then you've now got an expectation. So what you sometimes lose as a young chef is the, the you know, the, the kiddie-like way of doing things. Just go for it. Because what's there to lose? Is that how you Nothing feel? That, so you, so what? Did you lose that? Do you think you were under too much pressure? There was a pot, point, and then things were just going weird, and you start losing, uh, the, you start losing that essence because you're you're starting there. The minute you start trying hard because you want to prove a point to someone, mm. is the minute it just goes pear shape. Because you start, you're not doing it for the reason you were doing. From it. your experience, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, for example? Well, obviously then, you know, two years later, press, uh, Reserve shut down. It was uh, non-profitable. Um, it was a disaster. And I came back to Phoenix and did some more time there. Um, and really at that point, I paid a lot of attention to Phoenix in terms of you guys and business and, you know, how you were running it. And, you know, it was, you know, food costs. I'll never forget, you know, it, you know Raymond yelling and screaming about spending too much. Mm. I always wondered, what does that mean? Mm. Um, and you know, I think at that point at 20, uh, when I opened press club at 26, was I ready? I had, I, I was, I was smart enough to surround myself around people that were better than me hmm. in areas I wasn't good at. But I, what I did know what to do at that point was f- feed people good food. Yeah. Um, and, and also I, I, I had this light bulb moment where I went, hang on. Where are the premier restaurants for Greek food in this mm. country? Like, why haven't we got one here? Yeah. Can I, can I drill that. down on that? Because that, yeah. that, that for me is the turning point. Well, everybody knows yeah. now, right? But yeah. even if we rewind, you know, six or seven years, absolute turning point, isn't it? Mm. So how do you have that light, light bulb moment? Because you, you were looking at sites, you're mm. thinking about where you're going to go. You've gone from reserve, which mm. for people that don't know, was very cutting edge, experimental, mm. bit weird, mm. lots of foams and gels, very, very cutting edge at the mm. time, mm. but not hugely popular because no. in the end, it's not the kind of place you go everywhere. Nah. And then you have this, how did you get that moment where you go, uh, no one, there's no stars in the, in the Greek community the, cooking the, great I think the, the failure of reserve put, really hit, hit me for six. I was devastated. Um, I was devastated. I was devastated more because I looked at staff that obviously had no jobs. We were all out of jobs. Um, didn't get paid. Um, and, you know, suppliers <clears> owed <throat> money. And I just looked at that as, an, as a thing. I, it, I never forget it. I can still see it. And I just went, right, I never want to be in this position. So how, why are we in this position? And I started writing down why. And I'm going, well, number one, um, that aspirational sort of wacky out there food is not sustainable. Um, so what, who am I as a cook? Well, I knew basic fundamentals of French cooking. I grew up eating Greek food. Um, and it's that there's a minute where I've just gone, hang on. If I collide the two together, something will come out here. Because I know if I go, you know, um, to make avulemono, you need to make chicken stock. Well, I actually know how to make a chicken stock pretty well. So why don't I do that and com- then combine that knowledge and and c- create a venue where people walked in, um, first and foremost, that weren't Greeks. And if I could attract every non-Greek into press club, it means if the Greeks come later, that's a bonus. Um, so create a place that wasn't, you know, um, you didn't walk in there and feel intimidated because it was really bad Greek music playing and fishnets on the ceiling and, you know, <laughs> w- waiters, you know, that really didn't know what they were talking about. And, you know, just that, that sort of didn't want that. And I didn't want, 
you know, platters of dips and meat and overcooked meat on platters. And I don't know disrespect to the Greek taverns in Australia because there's some crackers. Um, but I get it. You know, my parents had the fish and chip shop that really the food wasn't that good, but it was survival for them. It yeah. was nothing but survival. And they were serving food that they would never eat at home. Yeah. And that was for me the point where I've gone, I want to serve the food that we, we eat at home, but done better. I'm was, tweaked up. Did, was there a point, because actually what happened is you got lots of support from the Greek community. So now in hindsight, mm. everybody goes, oh, George was clever. He tapped into, how yeah. many Greeks in Melbourne? Uh, I think there's 250,000. We're the biggest um, population of Greeks outside of Athens. Yeah. And now, of course, they're all, and have been for a number of years, very proud of the fact that yeah. George Columbaris has championed Greek food. But it wasn't, I presume there was a lot of criticism. Yeah, there was. And there was um, there was a lot, yeah, there was a lot of criticism. And, and I, you know, there was, I, I, I never forget, I think the, 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 the nucleus of Hellenic Republic was me going, because I made a comment about some bad Greek taverns mm. and they're, they, they're a disgrace to us Greeks. Um, and at that point when I said it, because sometimes I say things I shouldn't say, <laughs> I go, well, I better put my money where my mouth is. And we opened Hellenic Republic, which, and it says it in the word, you know, I, I called it Hellenic Republic, which upset a lot of people because Greece was never Greece. It mm. was, it was a, the Hellenic Republic before that. And it was my way of saying, this is the real place. And, mm. you know, uh, Good or bad, I mean, you know, um, it makes people happy, and so, and sometimes you got to go through these. So, stories. what were the Greeks uh, saying when they first came to? I remember on the bottom of the menu, I put, and it's still on there, the quote: um, "Please note, the food here at Hellenic Republic will never be as good as your mother's or mine." George <laughs> Columbaris, because I was just sick of it. I'd go, I mean, you know, look, it was good, but and you go, oh, here we go, the local mothers, the Greek donuts. Not you know they could be this and that, <laughs> and it's and you know and now I I used to get angry but now I just laugh and I go look do me a favour this Saturday night can you send your mum in we got four hundred booked see if she can can she just come and punch out you know enough the Lucamades yeah and how many so four hundred covers they might half of them are going to have Lucamades how many Lucamades per portion you know four five. four <laughs> yeah so a thousand Lucamades yeah yeah and then they they look at you know, like oh yeah and look you know look it's and I get it. I get it. You know, they're, they're very proud of the food that mm. their mothers cook for them, their grandmothers, their dads. So I get it. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. I remember you saying that uh, you'd get a lot of older Greeks come in and go, this is not Greek food. Yeah, right? totally. totally. And still still now, occasionally, I hear murmurs. And I go, thing, you know. The funny thing was they hadn't been back to Greece since they left. Well, so. that too. And, and, you know, the the ancient Greek were the most creative people on earth. Um, you know, and this is the argument I have. All, all Greece needs right now to fix it is to bring back its creativity. The creativity it had to become philosophers, to become, to create things, to make things, to think of things and imagine, dream, you know, mm. and, you know, why isn't it Greek? That's, mm. that's my question. I go, well, why isn't it? You tell me. So from a chef's point of view, and I kind of, I'm going to kind of put the chef bit aside in a minute, but, um, what do you say to the the young kids that are starting in your company now or in your businesses now? What's different for them mm. versus when you started? Because it's a while now. You're becoming a yeah. – you're getting older, so you're getting to that point. They're looking at you and going, geez, he's an old bloke now. Yeah, he's true. He's nearly 40. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> true. Um, I, I think it's uh, – <clears throat> you know, I think my, my, 
my, my thing to them is, you know, I do, I don't ever now, I used to do a lot where I go, you know how many hours I used to work? Do you know how hard I used to work? <clears throat> don't do any of that anymore. Good. Not interested. Because they don't care. They don't care. They don't really care. Um, what they care about is them to show, to show them something. So what I try to do now is go in and show something. Have a look at this. And it might be a product or a, a video or a dish or a, and for them, I know that means the world. Mm. Um, that one thing or that, that something will just sit and actually just talk. Yeah. Have a talk, you know, and I think that's so important. So a lot of changes in the business. What's their future in hospitality versus what? I, I th- look at what I think it is. Don't, there, there'll be what the challenges we face now, I'm, I'm sure they were faced 20 years ago and 30 years ago. And I reckon in 50 years, they're going to face challenges as well. I mean, it's such a moving parts industry. It's got so many little moving parts. It's not, it's not so in one end out the other. Um, and look, I think the, the, the challenges that they need to overcome is just to, you know, understand that, yes, you know, the way we do things is different, you know, and yes, um, you know, we're, we're, we're on, on the top of everyone's lips is labor and the top of everyone's lips are costs. But I think, you know, there's, there's way to, ways to overcome that and there's ways to, you just, if, if you just focus on the negative, you're never going to fix the positive. You're never going to get it to a positive. So what I do now is not whinge. Um, and what we do now is just be very positive and give them positive positivity around them mm. breeds positivity. Yeah. Well, I think too is that when I became a chef, would have been the same for you. When I went to college, there were no entry qualifications, which is fair enough. I mean, it's a trade mm. and I don't think you need any to be honest, as a trade. But then what happened? Because there weren't enough staff, mm. young kids got promoted, a bit like you actually, mm. way too early yeah. where they didn't have a chance to learn the craft properly mm. and then go and retrain. There's never really been a kind of solid system where you hit a certain point, probably like a lot of other industries, where you then go, right, now you need to go and do management training because you're never going to get any further yeah. if you don't understand the cost. So it's a really it's a yeah. difficult transition I think. It's like taking every carpenter or bricklayer or whatever it is, whatever trade it is and and transitioning from being a tradesperson where you're literally mm. laying brick to then being a businessman and having to deal with yeah. costs. It's a difficult one, isn't it? It's that. And I reckon the industry's got a bit of a uh, it's got a rise to the challenge and and fix the system in a yeah, sense. Yeah, it is. And I, look, I think it's everything needs to balance out. It's not just, you know, commodities, things need to be raised. People need to pay more. Um, you know, I, I, and you know, and, and, and I know, you know, I've been masked for a few things in the, in the past in the media, but I want my, I want staff to get paid more. They, mm. our industry deserves more. <clears throat> and um, so customers have got to pay more. That's right. That's yeah. it's supply and demand. It's the simple yeah. equation. Is that, really, is that and, realistically going to happen? I mean, the way I see it is there's so many businesses mm. You know, it's just, you know, where anybody can stick a coffee machine. It's in your hairdresser. I mean, yeah. it would be in your, you know, your local Bunnings if they could do oh, it. I, you know, I, it's, I, don't, I don't know which country it is. You can't, or a bit like here in Australia with chemists, you can't just go and open a chemist unless there's a pre-existing license there. Yeah. Right? And I think it used to be, I think, like that in, in Australia. So you very difficult to get a, re, a restaurant license or a that's license right. And you should food. go through certain due diligence mm. and be, and you know, and- so, because we don't want them to, because when a restaurant fails, you're not just, it's not just the staff that are 
going to get stitched up. It's the landlord. It's the electrical company. It's the suppliers. Yeah. It's a whole array oh, of, hundreds people, of people. people that get affected. So there should be more due diligence over that mm. and more care. And there should be more, also more support along the way. If anything, support along the way to go to check in on this our industry and go, hey, yeah. how are you going? What are you finding difficult at the moment? What do you need? And not just that, you know, obviously with what's ha- what happened the other day with Jeremy Strode. Oh, it's got me thinking, you know, I mean, our industry. For those people that don't know, Jeremy Strode, very well-known chef. He's Amazing. been in Melbourne for 25 years, and he's been one of the – well, Melbourne, Sydney, and a yeah. game changer. So game when he came changer. here in 92, mm. uh, having worked – I think he worked at the at Langtons, at the Adelphi, at the Pom, George, at Pom. He started Pom, uh, then went to Sydney, MG Garage, yeah. Je- uh, you know, Bistrode, you know. So – and he committed suicide. Yeah, it's, uh, and it got me thinking because – 53. Uh, and then obviously, you know, recently um, – Darren Simpson. Darren Simpson. You know, and it got me and thinking. Very young, too, very I young think younger, yeah. kids. You know, and, and, super, you just, and for people that don't know, and a superstar. I remember watching superstar. Darren Simpson on TV for the first time, and thinking, "Gee, who's this guy?" You know, yeah. like young Irish guy, yeah. um, doing everything right, and really had the touch mm. and and good in front of people. And, and it got me thinking, Gary, because I, I, YPO is young, young. Uh, YPO. So basically, it's an organisation worldwide where um, CEOs, certain certain wealth people, are involved in, where they come together, and it's all in a in a mm. sanctum. Nothing gets leaked out. And I know a lot of people that are part of that here in in Victoria, um, and that started because a CEO, I believe topped himself yeah and these guys went together hang on there's no support and it got me thinking yes there's no support for chefs for managers restaurant managers where you can come together all of us sit behind a closed door and go what how are you feeling at the moment what's going on i'm i'm struggling here you know we hear so many relationships end because of hospitality drains you it's kind of part of the course isn't it i think alcohol yeah. Uh, drugs, drugs. Uh, relationship breakdowns, yeah. uh, mental health issues. Yeah. I mean, in, in the 30-odd years I've been a chef, and now what, the 20-odd years you've been a yeah. chef, it, it's it's kind of rampant and you just go, well, and you hear about it all the time. You I mean, hear about it. You know, when, when Jeremy committed suicide, I think everybody was absolutely rocked to the core because he actually was a driver between, uh, of an organisation <clears> called <throat> Are You OK? Yeah. And he was a fundraiser for Are You OK? So which was really an initiative to, for people that maybe you're noticing aren't doing too well, tapping them on the shoulder and trying to give them, yeah. just say, you know, are you OK? You know, giving them an outlet for uh, it. Uh, it. Really, when I heard that and I was in Easter – Good Friday this year. I was. Um, we were in Sydney, my family. We went to um, the fish shop in Potts Point, and we sat there having Good Friday mm. lunch. And Jeremy was in the kitchen. I was like, "Oh my god!" And anyway, yeah. we jumped the hug. How you going? And I still remember this dinner. Raymond, myself, and Jeremy mm. did at Versace in Queensland. And when I saw that, yes, I just, I just couldn't believe it. I just, mm. this guy would just looked fine. Yeah. On face value. Yeah, on face value. And then maybe all the things that you're talking about, you know, it's the hours. I mean, you know, how many stories have you heard of, you know, marriage breakdowns or relationship breakdowns just simply because they're never there. And I I always remember, um, you know, even when my grandfather was talking to me, who was a chef, talking about maybe becoming a chef, saying, look, you, you the hours are unsociable. And at 19, unsociable just means, oh, well, I can't go to the pub. Mm. But, you know, when you've got a family, all of a sudden unsociable means you're just missing everything that's yeah. going on. Mm. So certainly with the transition in hospitality where people are, are working less hours yep. or getting paid more for what they do yes. is, is going to be a 
big change, big game changer, big game changer yeah. and obviously is in your organisation. After the break, George tells us how he's putting things back into perspective, focusing on the important things and dealing with the other stresses in his life. Yeah. Now, I don't know if you want to address the elf- elephant in the room, yeah. because obviously you've been through the ringer, let's be honest, yeah. because you're the face of, I mean, that's the unfortunate thing, isn't yeah. it, being uh, the face of uh, your businesses. Yeah. I mean, you, ha- you have un- other business partners, um, but you're transitioning into big business now, yeah. and you've had to get your house in order, and you're yeah. in the paper because yeah. Look, um, you audited and- We self-audited, and we, um, so obviously bought some partners out, and absolutely no one's fault. Um, no one's fault apart from when you dig deep into how much staff get paid and the way they're getting paid, it's, 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 it's a, it's a minefield out Mm. there and you start opening up a box that is just, and look, I guess we could have gone on our merry way and just been quiet about it and not said anything and just paid everyone moved on. Mm. But I, I think for us, we made a commitment that we wanted to make a statement, um, hopefully rattle the cages of the industry in Australia and also get government to look upon and go, hang on, mm. there's something serious going on here. And, um, you know, f- I mean, uh, it, it's been probably the toughest, no, it has been the toughest time in my professional career. Um, and, you know, it's, it's taken me to some point up to some points in my life where I've done things where I never would ever have done. And, and you know, that incident at the soccer was something that was mm. so out of character. And explain that. Well, look, it was, a, it was, you know, it was. Because this is, a, for a, people that don't know, it yeah. could be listened to this overseas. I mean, you, you, uh, you're on the front page of the paper yeah. for weeks. Yeah. They were following you around. The press were following you around. Yeah. Yeah, Terrible. It was, it was horrible. Yeah, it was horrible. Um, look, you know, obviously some, some Alaricans were making comments and, what, you know, one of them made a comment and it got me. And, and it got me because it was personal. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I thought I'd take the law into my own hands and walked up to him and, you know, and do I regret it? I, I regret – what I do regret and now I'm um, – you know, because of – I think that – and it's funny because when I sit there with Natalie, she goes to me, George, I'm very upset with what's happened, but I think this needed to happen in your life for you to go, right, changes need to need, I need to change the way I do things. I need to put a lot more emphasis into um, helping my mind, my, my, the way I think about things um, and deal with things better because – you are in the public eye. You have to accept mm. that. And I don't want kids out there to go, oh, look at George, he's a bully. What we need to do is address the fact that verbal bullying is not acceptable mm. because then it leads into um, physical bullying. Yeah. Um, and look, I regret it and it was wrong, but I'm, I'm going to champion it now and, you know, and, and, you know, get, I'm, I'm a bully ambassador, um, bully, bully Australia ambassador, and I'm going to get behind that in a big way. Um, but on top of that, in terms of what I've done for me to, uh, you know, I've, I've gone and exercised my, myself in now committed to meditation, which has been a phenomenal thing I've done in my life, the, probably the best thing I've done this year. Um, uh, and, and for that now, it makes me, I don't know, it's changed me. And, and, it's, and you know, I, I was chatting to my coach and I, he's gone, you know, and he was from America. He came over to do this with me for four days and obviously had a crux of what's been happening, what hasn't mm. here. I mean, he goes, you know, it wasn't the, it, well, there was nothing wrong with you walking up to 
this person. He goes, but instead of um, uh, getting to their level, what you should have said is, I just want you to know what you've said has hurt my feelings and he's not nice. Do you understand that? Mm. And, and you watch what would have happened. So to give you an example, then two days later, an article comes out in the paper about my business, my, my business partner, George Securitas of 11 years who I adore. And there was so much false rubbish in there. Mm. So I took it upon myself and I, and he, and he said to me, okay, you can't let things swell up. You've, if you've got to say something, say it, but you've got to do it in a way. So anyway, I rang this journalist. And I said to him, look, I just want you to know, I just read your article and it's really upset me and it's hurt me and I don't like it. And I just need you to know that. Anyway, the conversation kept he, it kept going. Obviously, the journalist is now yeah. gone. I could use this yeah. and trying to get me, probe me to say other stuff. Like, But yeah, but you've ripped staff off. And I'm like, look, oh, that's not why I've rang you. And by the end of it, I he got that upset. He the, the journalist swore at me and then hung the phone up on me. <laughs> <laughs> and for the first, I sat and then I had Natalie next to me. She goes, I'm so proud well of you. You didn't raise your voice. You didn't yeah. swear. And you stayed calm and you told him how you felt. The next day I sent him an email and I sent the journalist an email saying, look, um, I'm not going to say his name, but I, I, I apologize for upsetting you that much where you had to swear at me and hang the phone up. That was never my intention. My intention simply was to ring you and let you know how I'm feeling. And I, I just want you to know that it's hurt me what you said, but you know what? That's life. We can all move on. Mm. And, you know, I, I think it was, a, again, another light bulb moment for me personally in my life, how to deal mm. with things. And, and now pass this, I guess, this um, teaching onto my chefs and yeah. how they can deal with situations yeah. without having to. Because what I'm hearing along the whole way, and it's a very familiar story for anybody that's in a stressful job or, you know, has had to climb the ladder, you've been on an exponential path in your career mm -hmm. and it ne i don't I may be wrong but i don't think at any point you've ever actually stopped no. and taken evaluated stock of it stock evaluated it, it retrained in it it's all been no. you know as you go yeah. and uh i mean look that you know i'm a businessman too and i look at it and i go unfortunately because you are in the public eye you took the brunt of all of that your mm. business partners mm. carried on doing business yeah along with all the other businesses that are operating yeah you know, in Victoria and Australia and around the world. And yeah. there's, you know, everybody makes mistakes. I yeah. think the, th the thing that I think a lot of us felt was that because what you see in the press, I think most people know that most of it is mm. not entirely, mm. it's a version of the truth. Yeah. Uh, and I think a lot of us, certainly in the industry, were very supportive. Totally. And I, I, mean, and I yeah. think seeing you at the football, you know, finding yourself in a, in a position, and I watched the footage where I, I saw Matt – uh, Preston and Shannon, who are both close friends, they were watching it. Yeah. And then obviously when this guy shouted something, yeah. it, just yeah, it just clicked turned. and they turned their back for a second and you'd gone. Yeah. And you put yourself in a very dangerous situation. Yeah. and which I'll never, ever do. Um, and I've I've now got a incredible good resources around me to make sure I'm not mm. in situations like that. And you can't be. What am I doing thinking, walking mm. around a football ground, you know, thinking like that? Just going, don't, don't, I'm not, yeah. I'm not. Because you assume you're just George. You but assume you're, you're just Gary. You can yeah. do it. Why not? What's wrong with that? Because yeah, people but are no, looking at you. People are looking at you. Yeah. And, you know, um, you know, I just I, I just now I'm very conscientious. So I make sure I remove myself from situations. So that I, little period of your life, mm. what, what do you think you've actually learned from it personally? Is, um, it, is it to take time, take yeah, stock? Yeah, take time, take stock. Um, allow yourself to um, to have 
outlets to. We are, I, I consider ourselves as human beings as, as simply as a, a bottle of soft drink. Um, when you wish, when you shake it too much mm. and you go to release a cap, it's either going to, it's going to explode. You mm. can't, it's just not sustainable. And you think you're Teflon because that's what I thought I was Teflon and steel. And yeah, I'm, I'm a chef. I can do all this. Not that. Don't mm. kid yourself. You're George, you're human. And you know, no one prepared me for what, for master chef and uh, the fame and all that stuff, but it's no one's fault, you know, and now I've got the tools and the resources and, um, I know the minute where I need to decompress and mm. open that bottle slowly. Yeah. I know what to do. Yeah. In culinary than- terms, when you ferment something, <laughs> you burp it. Did you know that? There yeah. you go. You see, when you ferment something, you just otherwise the bottle explodes. explodes. Like when you make beer, yeah, you got to burp yeah, yeah, yeah. it. So every so often, you just got to burp. Gotta burped, burp. Just- I might just <laughs> I come to you and go, Gary. Can I get a little burp, please? <laughs> Throw you over my shoulder and give you a burp. So outside of business, what, what's what, what are you going to do? What, what, what do you think you'd? Well, it doesn't. It could be including business, like yeah. what, you know, because you've achieved um, more, I think, than most people would ever expect mm. that you, you could in a in a career, and you're still very young. So what do you hope that, I don't know, in 10 or 15 years' time that you'll be doing or people... I know for the first time in my life I've got an end goal with the restaurants. I mm-hmm. know that, you know, that uh, we've got a, we got this four-year plan and the four-year plan, we're sticking to it. And there's a... And don't get me wrong, there's going to be glitches along the way. And that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I know that, you know, within two years I'll move the press club uh, down to down to Red Hill. Um, and it will only it will open on my terms. Um, and when I say that, I say that with respect because it will be you know one one kitchen with a sort of mm. bar around it. A bit so to keep the joy, so keep to, the joy. So you want the that's joy? That's for me. That's you want for me joy. and the people around me and the and the customers. That's mm-hmm. it. Um, and you know the the group will grow. I mean, you know there'll be Jimmy Grant's St Kilda opens next week. There's four Jimmy Grants to open by the end of the year in Sydney. There'll be thirty forty. Within you know, sort of twenty twenty. So, you know, um, we know that plan and the process is in place, and and the people are, and there's some great people, and that that will grow. Um, and you know, what I love is that opportunity where I get to go to Greece mm. every year, and I want to I want to make that more, and I want to be there three months of the year, and then hopefully one day six yeah. months of the year, six months back in Oz, and I love that because I get to go there and I get to, um really uh, sponge up inspiration, ideas, feelings, everything, and bring them back to my country and and showcase them in one way or another. So when young people are looking at George at 60. Oh, God. I hopefully will will be sitting on a beach in Mykonos and in our bad bathers, Gary. I'll be looking to my left. You'll be sitting there and I'll be looking to my right and Preston will be there. Oh, really? And uh, we'll jump on our wooden boat and drive (laughs) away. go fishing for sardines. Why not? I don't know. You never know. You never know. All I know is I love what I do and if there's anything I teach my kids is do what you love. Because when you do it, geez, it feels good. It does, doesn't it? George Colombaris, a pleasure as always. Gary Meagher, doesn't feel you. like an interview. feels like we should have had Chat. coffee and uh, I brought, this. I brought you a croissant. I know. I know you're going to devour it later. <laughs> so, George Colombaris, Gary Megan, signing out. A Plate to Call Home is a Podcast One production produced by Dave Zwolenski, executive producer Jamie Shu. audio production is Darcy Thompson and special thanks to Imogen Thomas for all the research. 